We're starting a brand new series. It's a five-week series, and it's all about money. We're calling it Put Your Money to Work. We're going to talk about earning money, spending money, saving money, investing money, and giving money. So five actions you can do with money each week. We're going to focus on a different action. Um, I don't know if you guys looked uh, last sermon series, but we're starting uh, or we're making a, a study guide for the entire sermon series. So if you want to know like a little hint or heads up about what each of those weeks are going to be, uh, we've got that out on our website. Uh, it's beyondchurch.live slash study dash guide. Not that you're going to remember that, but you can let me know if you really want to see them. Uh, but this series, we have a video, like a short YouTube video that creates or that shares kind of pop knowledge or pop wisdom. Like what does the culture say about each of these five areas. Then there's some questions and some Bible verses to help you process and, and really think through uh, what would God say about each of these areas. Um, this is a topical sermon series. We don't do these too frequently. We'll do maybe one or two a year. Uh, topical sermons mean you pick a topic and you go to God in the Bible and you say, what do you have to say about this? It, it can be very helpful. There's definitely positives because uh, we're generally more engaged because it's a subject that is familiar to us. The, the application is very direct and easy to understand. Uh, but the downside of having a topical sermon that uh, people don't like is that you're coming to God with the issue, right? And, and so you already know this is important in my life. And so you're going to ask him, okay, what do you have to say? And you're not going to allow him to say, that's actually not that important. I have something else for you. If you're just reading through your Bible, you'll just get to know God and understand what's important to him. Uh, it also misrepresents what the Bible is. If we think, uh, let me just go to the index here real quick, look up the M's, money, okay, read all the passages about money, and now I understand what God says about money. Uh, we're, we're treating the, the Bible as if it's some sort of encyclopedia answer book, you know, where, where it's supposed to help me with my life. What is the Bible? The Bible is how God chose to reveal himself to us. You know, God, we, we say God wants to dwell with us. That's the end goal. Right? He wants to be with us in relationship. He wants to share his love with us. So when we read our Bible, it's to get to know God. So when we go through this sermon series or any time in life that you have a specific question, ask it of God. He cares. He cares about things that matter to you. But then listen to God. You know, don't, don't just get answers to money. I, I hope, I hope during the sermon series, we won't just come away with practical knowledge about how, we're, how we can earn money and how we can spend money and save and invest and give, blah, blah, blah. No, I hope we actually come to know God. So ask him questions about your money, but when we ask those questions, be ready to hear God. Get ready to, to know God. It, allow God to be speaking to you. Perhaps not even what I'm saying, but perhaps there's some passage and he wants to meet you where you are. So this is just our jumping off point. I think there's a tremendous potential in money. Uh, the Bible talks about how money and our spirits are real close together. How uh, we might think that our money is following our spirit, but the Bible seems to, seems to hint that it's the money that's actually leading our spirits. And so when we talk about money, uh, there's going to be actual real deep issues that come up that God probably wants to address as well. Uh, but enough of that. We're, I want to start with the video that we have on our study guide for this week. It's all about earning money. So I went to YouTube and I just Googled up uh, why should I earn money and picked one that had, I don't know, a couple dozen, thousand, wait, how do you say that? It's like 30,000 views. What are, several dozen thousand views? Is that, that's not a thing. Anyway, how about you guys just play that video in the back before I keep talking too much? You know, a lot of people ask me, Sarah, why are you so obsessed with earning money? After all, don't you realize that your cars and your clothes and your mansions won't be making it to heaven with you? And to those people, I say, well, gee, I think that you misunderstand. You see, I'm not obsessed with earning money. 
No. I'm obsessed with earning my freedom. Freedom from not having to spend half my waking life working a job and instead having the financial freedom to spend it with friends and family. Because as I say to those people, sure, it's not your mansions that you're taking to heaven with you. It's your friends and your family, and it's not your job. All right, so that is pop culture wisdom on why we should earn money, right? She, she makes a point that I've, I've certainly heard before, right? It's not to get things, it's not just to have more money, but rather to buy your freedom and to invest in things that matter. And she even attaches it to uh, an eternal perspective, right? Your friends and family are gonna be with you in heaven, so let's invest it there. Uh, what does God say about earning money? We'll come back and we'll compare it to maybe what pop culture uh, is sharing with us, and then you can even be thinking in your own head, well, what do you think, right? That's, that, that's the goal of those study guides, is that you discuss them in a group, or if you want to spend time with God, but you don't want to read your devotional, or your, your board of doing your Bible reading plan, or whatever, open up the Word, and just go through what we're going to read, do this like on a Saturday night, and then you'll come prepared uh, to discuss with others, and then to listen to what God's saying uh, on Sunday morning. All right, first, we're... Okay, here's the other hard part of topical sermons is that you're trying to say, what does the entire Bible say about earning money? Uh, I'm going to give you like the sampler platter of what, of what the Bible says. Uh, write down any verses that really speak to you and dig into these uh, further on. The, the first point though uh, that the Bible says is that earning money is good. It is a good thing. This counters the argument that says um, the world is corrupt and evil, and so if I want to truly be spiritual and know God, I've got to completely separate myself from the world, and, and uh, including all of its systems, its governments, and p- perhaps particularly its, its economic system. Uh, this, uh, yeah, you see some people that believe this today. Generally, uh, we don't live in that. It's not too common. Back in the, like the Middle Ages, this was a common uh, thought where you know, the, the ideal of a spiritual life was you know, being like a monk or being some sort of traveling you know, just, man, steeped in prayer, you're going from village to village, maybe encouraging the churches, and you're just kind of living off of their hospitality uh, as they come. Uh, against that view of the world and what we're supposed to do is Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. This is in Second uh, Thessalonians 3, 7 through 10. This is kind of his final words. He says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. All right, now... This is a letter written to a particular church, but clearly Paul and his companions thought there was a problem within this church, that they made a rule that says, the one who's unwilling to work shall not eat. I don't know what age that's appropriate for your own household, but it's probably somewhere around, what, 16, 17? (laughs) You got to start making them earn. That's what my parents said. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, parenting advice. Who knew? It's a sermon about money, but we'll just transition into parenting. No, no. The problem that they were seeing is that there are people taking advantage of the hospitality and the love that the church is meant to provide to one another. There are some people that were just, cool, this is great. Every time I show up, someone feeds me, so I'll just keep showing off, quit quit my job. And and Paul's saying, no, 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 no. It's it's actually good to work. It's good to earn money. And the reason that he has is, is to take care of your needs, right? He says about himself, right? They work night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. I think this is a concept we pick up, especially in America, especially Douglas County. Like, let, let me not be a burden to any of you. I'll take care of myself. It'll be good for me to earn enough money to take care of me and my family. 
Uh, this is echoed back in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Proverbs. Uh, I want to go to chapter 6. There's a, a parable that a father uses to teach his son uh, about the goodness of working to earn money. All right, this is Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. I can just imagine, right, like a father, it, like this is not like a classroom. It's not like, hello, son, why don't you sit down and let me dispense wisdom today? It's like, here's what I imagine what happened. Like the kids slept in till noon, right? Everyone's already eaten breakfast and lunch. He comes down, he's like poured a bowl of cereal and then he eats it, doesn't really talk to anyone, sits down in front of his PlayStation, puts his headset on and starts playing. The father's like, nope, 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 not anymore. Son, go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> you know, consider its ways and be wise. He's like, I, I, have to, I have to address this, right? That's what I imagine is happening here or whatever the... I don't know, the 5th century B.C. equivalent is. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? Oh, I can't get it. Oh, I can't get it. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So here's a father, uh, seeming like... <laughs> Come on, get to work. Like, so, like, like, don't just sleep. Don't just sit there. And then he points to the ant and he says, look, they don't have any father like breathing down their neck telling them to go do it and yet they're doing it. And then the threat is that poverty will come on you and scarcity like an armed man as if these are, these are negative things, right? It's, it's actually positive to be able to take care of yourself and it's negative in order to, to find poverty out of laziness, you know? So, so earning money is good. This is something that we see uh, all throughout the Bible, earning money, taking care of yourself, uh, not being a burden to others, this is a good thing. Now I want, before, I, I don't think we struggle with this, okay? Like I, I think most of us agree to this. Uh, this is kind of written into like American DNA. Uh, there's actually a book even written over 100 years ago that says that the application of Protestantism in Western Europe and the USA is actually what made capitalism so successful. Um, this like work ethic that Protestants have. Anyway, controversial book we can talk about later if you want. I went down a rabbit hole this, this week. It was uh, interesting, but not necessary. Uh, but the point that I want you guys to hear is, is that there's a warning, right? Because sometimes we'll hear this and then we'll say, oh, well, I can't ask for help then. Right? There's a barrier now between asking for help because then if I'm asking for help, I'm actually admitting that I'm doing something wrong. Well, this is what Paul said. Remember, he said, this is 2 Thessalonians 3.9. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. He's saying you guys needed to see what it looked like to take care of yourself because you had a problem with laziness. But we had full rights to be able to receive your hospitality and receive your grace. Within the church, if someone has needs, we're supposed to take care of each other. We're obligated to take care of each other as family, compassionately, graciously, without, you know, you know holding debts on each other, right? And, and adding it all up and measuring. It's supposed to, it's supposed to be where we, we, we love each other in that way. Uh, there are people taking advantage of it. The only wrong part is being lazy, right? So let's say you, you, you can't take care of yourself. You can't pay your bills because of some accident, injury, some unforeseen circumstance that happens, then you should be able to come to the church and we, we rally around you and take care of you. Uh, you don't have to feel shame that, oh, I can't take care of it. I think we attach shame to our ability to earn money for ourselves because we take the earning money is good and we go one step too far. We say, okay, earning money is good. Oh, no, earning money is actually 
who I am, right? It's, it's great. This is, this is, I'm going to attach my value to my ability to earn money. And so if, if my ability to earn money and take care of myself and my family is taken away, now I have lower self-worth. I feel ashamed to even be able to admit that or to even ask for help because I look around, they're taking care of themselves, they're taking care of themselves. I can't, therefore I am less. That means we've taken this point too far. That's not what the Bible's saying, right? So the Bible's not saying that earning money is great or earning money is, is what your self-worth is attached to. I think the second point is that earning money isn't great. Earning money is good, it isn't great. Meaning you can't just pursue money. It's not a worthy enough pursuit for you to spend your life on. That, that you, you need to work, take care of your family, earn money, good. But that in and of itself, earning money, not good enough. Don't wear yourself out. Certainly not good enough to attach your own self-worth to the, the fact or the ability to earn money. I want to go up to Ecclesiastes, such a good book. It's about an author who's pursuing the good life. What matters in life and tries all different things and he comes up with some really good wisdom. Here's what he says about earning money. This is Ecclesiastes 4, 4 through 6. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. You look at someone else, you say, well, they're earning more than me. I want that. I want my value to be up here as opposed to just saying, you know what? That's not, that's not good enough. It's not worth it. Then there's this little proverb. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I love that picture. Work is good. One handful, good, absolutely. Earn that money. Two handfuls, ooh, that's not good. That's not good. That, that's toil and chasing after the wind, not as good as one handful with tranquility. Money's good, money's not great. And I love, why, why is two handfuls not good according to the proverb? He's not saying uh, because it's greedy, right, or your heart's bad or your character's bad. He's saying it's just hard work. It's not worth it. Two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind, not worth the one handful with tranquility. That's what you want. It's it's simply earning money is just not worth it. Taking care of yourself is. He goes on to elaborate. This is uh, in Ecclesiastes 5, the next chapter over. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. You have two handfuls, you're going to need four. You're going to need eight. It doesn't stop. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? Own vanity. Your own pride. You just feel better about yourself. But that's because you've attached your worth to your ability to earn money. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. The rich can only dream about the sleep that the laborer get, figuratively, not really, because they can't sleep. What it's saying, sorry, I just have all these jokes in my head. I'm so glad that I don't share all of them, you know, and I think you are too. But what Ecclesiastes is saying is that some work is good. Like earning money is good. The one handful is actually a good thing. You don't, you don't want to fold your hands, you'll come to ruin but you also don't want to pursue with two handfuls, right? That's a chasing after the wind. That's staying up at night. This is a picture of what contentment is. And then he goes on to give another parallel. Again, something that I think we all agree on, but it's pretty profound. This is in uh, verse 15. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil, what what they can carry in their hands. Essentially saying is, at some point we were born, and then comes money, then comes life, then comes happiness, then comes pain, well, all the experiences. And then at some point that all ends and then comes afterlife. And he's saying money lives in this bubble. Money wasn't here. Money wasn't there. You didn't bring money through. You're not going to take any money out. 
I think we all, at some fundamental level, understand this. Uh, but I want to give you a picture of it anyway. Uh, I was playing Monopoly Junior with my boys. We, I won. Um, you, might, you might think that's uh, irrelevant to the, to the illustration. It is, but I'm just reporting the facts just to give you guys an accurate, just, just, to, just to understand. No, but Monopoly Junior is very similar to Monopoly, if you've ever played. But instead of having 100 200 $300 bills, it's just one, two, three dollar bills. Uh, but you try to build up your own wealth, and then you try to bankrupt your opponents. And you win by bankrupting your opponents. Uh, it's pretty ruthless, uh, but, you know, sometimes what the facts are. Uh, as we were playing the game, uh, we were very conscientious about our money. Right? Counting it, making sure every time we pass go, you get $2, not $200, just Monopoly Junior. Um, and then every time someone's landing on our property, hey, you owe me, make sure you pay. You know, how much is that worth? You know, and we're calculating our money. Very important to us, right? Okay, well, once I won, I mean, once the game was over um, and we put everything back in the box, uh, what, what value did it provide, right? Like, I had $22 at the end. What could I do with that after the game, right? It's nothing. It's nothing, right? Because that, that was fake money. It's monopoly money, right? It stays in the box. It's only valuable when you're playing the game. But before the game, after the game, no value, right? Because it's only there. Same thing with our money, right? So before our life, after our life, no value to our money. While we're here, yeah, absolutely have fun. You know, earn whatever money you want. But, but that's not going to actually help you uh, in the afterlife or the before life. Right, now, here's the thing. You go back to that. Uh, that woman, right, who's sharing, why am I earning money? She's interested in carrying things past this life, right? She said, I don't want the things. I don't want the mansions. I don't want the cars. I don't want the stuff. That's staying here. What I want, though, is the friends and family, because that's going to go past. Here's a fundamental uh, reality of humanity. We yearn for the beyond, right? We recognize this life is finite. We recognize that it's short. We want something that's, that's valuable over here, right? When I played that game of Monopoly Junior, why did I play that game? And believe it or not, it's not to crush them or bankrupt them, right? No, I played the game because I wanted to be with them. I, I wanted to make a memory, right? I wanted to develop my relationship with them. My relationship was, was here, and then we played a game, and then I hoped that my relationship would be stronger having made that memory afterwards. I wanted to carry that all the way through. That was what was of value to me while I'm playing. It was the thing that, that brought me into the game and the thing that I was taking without. When we talk about our life, okay, here's the bubble, right? We're all living in the bubble right now. We all work and we earn money. What brought us into the bubble, right? Life, life itself. God, here, life, boop, you know, and now we're born. What can take us after the life? life that death can't touch, right? It's, it's a life that we know through baptism, through Jesus's resurrection. That is the only thing that allows us to go through the bubble, right? Is, is life was what brought us in, true life from God. And the only thing that's going to take us out is true life again that defeats death. That's the thing that's consistent. If we want to carry something of value into the afterlife, it's true life in Christ. So question, can money buy that true life? No, that doesn't make any sense, right? Can, can Monopoly money buy a relationship with my kids? Are you crazy? Real money can't even do that, right? As much as we want, but that's what, that's what this is saying, right? You can earn whatever you want, but you'll never get anything that's outside of this bubble. You'll keep whatever you want in the bubble, but deep in our hearts, we actually want to access the thing that's gonna be valuable on either side of the bubble that we're living in in our life, and that's Christ, that's God. And so the third point uh, that the Bible teaches is that better than earning money 
is contentment and contentment in God. What is contentment? Contentment is that, that verse, Ecclesiastes 5.12. The sleep of the laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. Right? Contentment is every night laying your head on the pillow, <sighs> deep satisfied breath, smiling, saying, God, thank you for what you've given me today. And then off you go, off to peaceful sleep. Right? It's, it's the sleep that someone who's grabbing handfuls and toil, they can't have. The one handful worker ah, has contentment. What contentment is, if you practice contentment, that's the process of removing your spirit from money, <laughs> detaching it, right? It seems somehow money uh, likes to attach, almost like a fungus, right, <laughs> to your spirit, where now all of a sudden, however your money goes, that's how you're feeling for the day, right? You, you go look up your investments, you know, and the stock market's down, and you're like, oh, bummer, right? Or you, you play some money on a baseball game, and then it, you make it out, you're hey, good day, you know, and it's like your whole spirit, is attached to how your money's going. You get the promotion at work, great day. You know, someone else gets a bigger promotion, oh, not as good. <laughs> you know, but like, why are our spirits so attached to money? Contentment is removing that attachment where you say, you know what, I'm content. I'm content with what I have. God has given me enough. I want the life that goes all throughout. Whatever's going on in the bubble, I'll take it. I will thank God for his provision, but I have the thing that lasts forever. I have the thing that has true and deep meaning. This is uh, not something I made up. It's what First Timothy says. Uh, this is a letter that Paul wrote to a young pastor, Timothy. Timothy was actually with Paul in Thessalonica when they were viewing. He was part of that we uh, from that first passage we looked at. Uh, but he dropped him off in Ephesus, and now Paul is writing to encourage him. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, and I did something that I, I tell you guys you aren't allowed to do, and that's take something out of context. Uh, this whole section, if you back up and you read a paragraph, uh, Paul is saying that there are people in Ephesus that are claiming to preach Jesus, but look at their fruit. They, they, they're, they're all kinds of problems. They, they aren't living this out. It's not true. They're only using godliness as a means of financial gain. I mean, again, luckily this doesn't trap any of the pastors of today, right? Mm. Just kidding, that was sarcasm, unfortunately. But godliness with contentment is great gain. What Paul's telling Timothy is, let, let you not be one of them, right? He's, he's like, I know, like, look, Christians hold on to something that's of true deep value, right? That we're saying money cannot buy. So like, yeah, they're willing to give away money to get this thing. You better not take advantage of it. I mean, we all know, if you don't know, it's true. Uh, Christians are, are gullible suckers, right? When it comes to marketing, you market anything as Christian. We're like, yes, absolutely. Why? Because we have something that's worth more than money can buy. We're more than willing to give our money for whatever product it is. Paul's saying, don't take advantage of it. People will take advantage of that. They will see godliness as a means for financial gain. Timothy, don't. What is, what is worth your time? What's better than earning money? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Great. Money, earning money, just good. Contentment, great. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Sound familiar? But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. This is Paul writing. Uh, do you know Philippians 4.13? Have you ever heard, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? The context of that is, is Paul saying, whether I have a lot or whether I have nothing, I will be content. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will be content in whatever circumstance. That's what he's writing. Just food and clothing. Don't be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and to many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. 
For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. There's the famous verse. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. What Paul is telling Timothy is that yes, you can get rich. Yes, you can go for two handfuls. You can take your platform as a pastor and take advantage of their generosity and their graciousness, but don't do that. That's a trap. That's an absolute trap if you're aiming at money. I mean, he, look, at, look at all these negative things he talks about money. Temptation, a trap, foolish and harmful desires, plunge people to ruin and destruction. They pierce themselves with many griefs, this root of all kinds of evil. He's saying stay away from pursuit of money. This is the warning to Timothy. So what we have is a principle to pursue contentment instead of earning money. Earning money is good. It's not great. It's not worth you giving your life for. Instead, pursue contentment. And this will give you practical advice as well. So should you take that promotion, right? Is, this, is it worth switching jobs in order to get a higher salary? You know, or uh, am I allowed to choose what job I, I want based on what the salary levels are? If all things are equal, can I just pick the one that's more? Well, God would say, pursue contentment more than money, right? So if you can say, I'm content with the lower salary or I'm content with my current job, then you can take the other job, right? But if you're not content with where you're at, you need more, yeah, don't take it. Why? Because pursue contentment more than pursuing money. Try it on for size, Paul's saying, but you're gonna pierce yourself with all kinds of griefs. It's a trap, you know? Admiral Akbar would remind you of that as well. Got it. <laughs> what about people that uh, don't have money, don't have enough, can't take care of themselves, right? They're in debt. They're, um, they got bills and they cannot pay them, right? They're in that stage where they have to say, okay, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to ask for help. Do they need more money to be content? No. <laughs> Contentment is separate from money, right? Contentment is laying your head on the pillow. <sighs> Thank you, Lord, for what you've given me today. Now, you might have some difficult decisions you have to make, financial decisions. You might have to work harder. You might have to find a different job. You might have to rely on other people for a time. But money's not going to bring you contentment, right? Contentment comes from God, from having the life that goes all the way through this little bubble out either end. Money can't buy that. We're talking about something completely different. So you go back to the, the lady who says, why am I so obsessed with earning money? It's for freedom. What would God say? I think he would say, Anything that you're buying with your money is just not worth it. Anything. Don't, don't pursue money. There's something greater than money. Pursue contentment. Yeah, your money can buy you things. It can perhaps even buy you friends or it can buy you for your freedom, whatever it is. But anything that you're buying with money is just going to be stayed locked up in that bubble. What you really want, what's worth pursuing in your life is contentment found in Christ. It's coming from somewhere much deeper, a place that money cannot touch. So choose one-handed work, and chase contentment. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for all the wisdom that you've packed into these scriptures. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. We have principles. We know how you view money or how we're supposed to earn money. But God, I pray that you would touch each one of us individually, where our spirits are too attached to money and where we are too blind to seeing what contentment in your life looks like, I pray that you would cut us there. <laughs> Speak to us. Talk with us. Um, tell us where we've got things perhaps out of sync and where our relative importance is perhaps imbalanced. 
May we know you, God. May you give us great contentment, peace, joy, satisfaction, true life, holding on to you. May we know you, your contentment that goes all the way through life and exists after. We love you, Lord. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, uh, we're gonna do questions like we do. I'll give you about probably 10 to 15 minutes. We've got three questions. You can gather around the tables or just turn uh, to your neighbors and answer. You probably have time for maybe one or two of these, so pick your favorite one. First, how have you wrestled to balance earning money with other things that matter? So this is the work-life balance question, right? How have you struggled to, to earn money on the one hand, but also to spend time, spend your money, or, or spend life on things that you value? Number two, should your emotions attach to your money at all? I used a negative example of how you, you move up and down, but how, or maybe how should your emotions attach to your money? And then third, what has helped you stay content with what you have? Practical practices. What helps you? Um, don't just talk with your families. If you're, if you're kind of isolated, Becky and Greg, go find another table. Um, go, go ask someone else and get their opinion as well. Um, and let's practice loving each other uh, by listening as we discuss these questions. I'll come back up in about 10 minutes and dismiss you.